Welcome to the OKC Community Podcast. We are so glad you're here. For more information about us, please visit our website at okccommunitychurch.com. We welcome Jeremy Kupchak. I'm, I'm really, really loving that music in the background. Do you do like uh, evenings, like at home? Like how much would you charge to do sleep time? No, yeah. I'm sure that's Spotify, right? They have that. All right. Hey, good to be with you. Thank you, um, Tim. So good to be with all of you. Love this uh, congregation. Love what you guys are about. And um, I'm a communicator. I'm from Shawnee originally. Um, I grew up uh, in Shawnee, went to OBU, and then moved to Russia, as you do. And then, um, and then did some businesses there, started some things, came back uh, because of the Oklahoma City bombing, and uh, my father-in-law was in the bombing, brought us back, worked here for a while, ended up moving to Atlanta uh, for about uh, seven years, then moved to London for a few years, and our family moved back. Uh, kids wanted to do high school here, and so we gave them a choice of five cities, and they chose Oklahoma City. Um, wasn't that interesting? The other choices were um, Midland, Odessa, Waxahachie. Uh, no, I'm joking. Can you imagine? But uh, that's, we moved back here a few years ago, and we're building a, a community up at, by Lake Arcadia called the Prairie at Post, and then we live, our offices are next door. So it's just fun being in this uh, community, in this area. Um, so I'm a communicator. What I do is I try to communicate by, like, communication is nothing more than transmission, Right? I'm transmitting things, but it's also um, up to you to receive them. So we didn't communicate until your receiver received it, and then you can feel it back. Right. So my hope is today that um, wherever you are, what's going on in your life, that there could be some significant encouragement in your life today. That's what we're going to do. We're going we're gonna to talk through um, another communicator. His name was King David. Uh, King David, um, I love this. This is a famous psalm, Psalms 37. But what I like to do is I like to take things that maybe you've heard before and maybe give you a different way to think about it. Or maybe something you've never seen before and give you something that you can latch onto and do something with um, today and take it home with you today. So that's our goal today. King David was an unbelievable communicator. You know, he wrote all the songs. Have you ever thought about it? I know we know the psalms are songs, right? You know that. So imagine 150 songs, take your 150 songs, or songs, print them out, put them in a book, and that would be your song list. Now, that may really be revealing if we like, listed all of the songs that your favorite songs were. My wife and I were listening to some songs recently um, from the 80s, and you know, when I grew up, and like, oh my goodness, we sing that? Like when you start understanding what the songs were really about, right? And so um, in this case with David, he wrote all these psalms, and they're all over the place. Some are psalms of joy, some are psalms of frustration, some are the blues. I mean, he's got a lot of songs in there. And um, this one in particular, he's conveying um, frustration with those who really, really um, are evil and are, are making money, who are doing well. And almost like reminding himself and reminded whoever's on the other side of the song of, yeah, even though people are um, doing well and are evil, let's don't, let's don't worry about them. Instead, let's do this, which is what I'm going to share with you today. So in the midst of the world and all of the craziness, I'm just going to pull out this one part of the song. 
Um, now, I wish, I wish, wish, wish we knew. I'm surely someone's done some, some study of what type of songs it would sound like. Because, again, when you're reading the Psalms, it, wouldn't it be great if you knew the song that he originally, you know? And so what if it was like a rap, like if it, hip-hop? Like there was something, no, I'm joking. But there, whatever the, the Israeli tune would be to this psalm, but I'm going to pull out a couple of things here. I'm going to pull out Psalms 37, 3 through 6. That's what we're going to jump right into, and then we'll start playing around with it. You guys have heard this, right? Trust in the Lord and do good. Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will do this. He will make your righteous reward shine like the dawn. All right, so that's what we're going to, how many of you know that very well, right? How many of you, that's been a, a, a strong part of your kind of um, uh, Bible readings and kind of history. It's an awesome, awesome uh, psalm. Just the idea of trust in the Lord and do good. Delight yourself in the Lord. Commit your ways to the Lord, okay? So we're going to unpack all of that, those three Here's what normally happens, though, in our world, and just see if you think this is right, okay? This is not judgment to you. This is just the norm. The norm. Worry and do, and do what you need to get the lifestyle you deserve. Anyone agree with that? It's not people are saying that, but worry and do what you need to do to get the lifestyle you deserve. Take delight in what the world offers. Make it happen, and you will get rich. Okay? Simple instruction. Have you heard this before? Yeah. Commit your ways to success. Trust in yourself, and make yourself shine like the dawn. Okay, now social media, and I'm on social media, so I'm not one to say, but social media, a lot of social media is make yourself shine. Okay, so... Um, I write books and speak, and um, so we've, I've written five books. Um, we have one right now that is doing really well on Amazon, uh, The 100X Leader. And in that book, in working with the publisher, the publisher's job, their goal for me is to make me shine so much so that more people will buy the books. So if you're an author and you want to go work with a publisher, it's not about your content. They really, really don't care what the content is. What they really care about is what's your marketing platform. What's your, how, how strong of a marketer? What is your brand like? Can you really make it happen? Because we need you to move people to want to buy your stuff. Okay? That's the goal that the world usually plays. So there's so many people trying to make it in business, trying to make it happen. So we run into these people constantly, and I am one too. I struggle with this. I don't know if you guys do as well. But anyone here, um, raise your hand if you worry. Go ahead, raise your hand. Oh, warriors, all right, interesting. Okay, so um, you're warriors, I am too. So uh, worry is an interesting thought. In fact, um, I have a phrase that I think could be really interesting. Worry is a prayer of disbelief. Let that soak in for a minute. Every single time that we worry, we're praying that we don't believe in God or don't believe in his provision or don't believe that he can make it happen. 
So we'll take it on. And when we take it on, we tend to scurry. There's two little words I want to give you. Scurry versus hustle. I want to see if you know the difference between scurry versus hustle. Have you ever watched a basketball team who is down by five points right before uh, the game is over? And that basketball team, they're worried that they're going to lose. And they start scurrying. And when they start scurrying, they start fouling. They start uh, being sloppy with the ball. They start blaming each other, right? Very, very different than a team who's up by five and feels very confident, and they're hustling. So the difference between scurry and hustle, I find myself often in life scurrying. And when I do, I'm like, why am I scurrying? Why am I? I'm so wanting to make, because I'm afraid that I won't receive safe pasture. I'm afraid that I won't have what, what I'm going to need. And what's going to happen if, and what if this takes place, and what if that takes place? So there's an issue that I have as an American, as an American consumer in the consumeristic world that I'm, we're in, there's a tendency to spend a lot of time worrying, not trusting, doing the opposite, and trying to make safe pasture. There's also a tendency to start to delight in other things and make myself shine so that I can make it happen. So I can be all those things that I'm afraid that I won't be. Anyone, does this make sense? Is it just me? No? All right. So the idea then is that when we're worried, who are we actually disbelieving? Yeah, we're disbelieving God. And we sing that song, he is good, good. He's never let us down, right? The idea, like, you've gotten here. You've made it here. Um, in the last, let's say in the last year, how many worries did you pray out loud? How many worries did you pray? I mean, if worry is a, is a prayer of disbelief, how many worry prayers did you pray? A hundred? Fifty? Two hundred? See what I mean? What if you actually wrote all of your worry prayers down? Which again, are prayers of disbelief. If you wrote them all down and you went back and looked at every single one of them to find out, okay, what actually took place? What happened? Oh, actually, yeah, we were good. I didn't need to worry about it. Um, yeah, it, it all worked out with my friend. Yeah, you know, that didn't, uh, the nuclear... Bomb didn't happen. Okay, we're good. Uh, and, you know, um, that issue, right? Well, do you know what the news does? Do you know the news, the media business? What is the media trying to accomplish? They want eyeballs to watch them, so they create sensationalism, because the more eyeballs who watch them, they get more advertisers that leads to more income. So say sensationalist news... What does, it in, what does it actually do? Creates worry. Or creates lust and desire. One of those two. You don't have enough, or there's a nuclear war. So what happens then is we can fall prey very easily to manipulation. So we have to watch it as, as brothers and sisters, as followers of Jesus. We have to be careful that we get sucked in to this concept of worry. Because what did Jesus say about worry? It, it, it does, it's, it's not worth much. It doesn't 
change anything. When I'm worrying, I'm praying a prayer of disbelief, then what I've found in time, actually, um, if I'm afraid of something and I start living in fear, it actually has a more chance of it happening than not. But if I align to something and go, you know what? I'm going to take this thought captive. I'm not going to worry here. I trust you, God. In my trust, my alignment, my, my mind and my heart get aligned to the Lord. And I begin, I begin walking in faith, not in fear. And there's a real fine line between the faith and fear. And so what David's saying is, I mean, guys, follow David's story, right? David had a lot to be worried about. He has a king throwing spears at him. He's got, um, you know, the people not liking him at one point. He's got a son trying to take over the throne. There's a lot of things with David. So his psalms were real. That's why I love them. They're like real emotion. But in this case, what I'm trying to get us to is to understand that we have a role and God has a role. And the role is really, really clear in this, this uh, scripture. It goes like this. Our role is to trust in the Lord and do good. That's your role. That's my role. Trust in the Lord and do good. Second is to, to delight in the Lord. Third is to commit our ways to the Lord. That's our role. God's role is this. He will give us safe pasture. He will give us the desires of our heart. He will make our righteousness shine like the dawn. And here's the crazy part. If we take over his role, we'll miss out on his. You get that? If we take over his role, he has a role. If I try to force safe pasture, if I try to get the desires of my heart, if I try to make myself shine, I will miss. Because guess what? He's better at those things than I am. But when I try to do those things, when I try to make myself shine, you know what it feels like? Arrogance, bragging, and guess what? People actually move away from you. Whenever someone's trying too hard, people pull back. If I'm trying so hard in worry to create safe pasture, to make sure we have enough and, we have, and I'm overdoing it, what does it do? It pushes people away from me. It causes more stress and strain. When I'm trying to get the, design, the, the bucket list, all the bucket list items in my life, I want to do this and this and this, it causes... See, there's a role that we play. He has a role and we have a role. And it's our responsibility to stay in our role and let him play his role. Make sense? You get it? So, but here's what I've realized. This is all really good. And as I started getting into this and preparing for you guys to share this with you, I started realizing, well, wait, this is great, but who is God to you? Because if you have a view of God that might not be accurate, then everything I just preached and shared won't land very well because you could hear it very differently. Here's what I mean. If, if you have a view of God as a punisher, as punitive, lightning striker, harsh, the harsh principle, the, right? If you have a view of God, then trusting in him 
we can walk in the simple reality. I'm a son of the Most High God. Have I sinned? Absolutely. Do I have an innate uh, sinning uh, poison in me? Absolutely. And yet the blood of Jesus is far stronger than that. So I don't have that anymore. I mean, I ha- do I struggle? Sure. But I don't wake up every day going, oh, I'm a sinner. Thank you for your grace. Oh, thank you for your grace. At least I made it another day. I wake up going, no, I belong. My daddy's amazing. My God is so good. Our father is amazing. And I'm a son. So I wake up in the morning and I don't condemn myself. Did you, side, another side note, did you know that the accuser, there's an accuser and there's an intercessor. The accuser is the enemy, the devil. He's constantly accusing us. And in the accusations, he's getting you to partner with him, to dominate yourself, to accuse yourself. Do you guys know you talk out loud, right? You're all crazy. You know that, right? How many of you talk out loud, literally out loud in your car and you know it? You know you do. How many of you talk in your head? You know you talk in your head. What are you saying to yourself? Think about that. If you could record it, what would those accusations say? Would they say, oh, you're an idiot. You're a loser. (laughs) You did it again. You don't need, you're never going to blah, blah, blah. Do you understand that that could be the enemy partnering with you to accuse yourself? So if you are a sinner, in your mind, and not worthy, therefore, it's hard to trust God. It's hard to delight in that God. It's hard to commit to that God. But if you've gotten to the place, and you've said, you know what? I'm a son of the most high God. I trust you, Daddy. I mean, Jesus said in Luke 11, 11, it's, um, you know, if a son asked for a fish, what father would give him a snake? No father would give him a snake. He would give him a fish. So it, the father doesn't treat us like most of us have grown up thinking. The father treats us like a good dad. And a good daddy takes care of his kids. And when the good daddy takes care of the kids, it's easier to trust him. Trust him. A uh, quick story. Um, in... 2002, that would help to put that up. Um, in 2002, my wife and I, we were involved. We went to Mexico. We were stuck in a hurricane, and we got um, in, stuck there for a few days, and uh, we went to see a movie, as you do again in a hurricane. And um, then we're going back to our hotel, and on our way to the hotel, we... Um, I'm having conversations with God in the car because we were watching Signs by Mel Gibson. Remember that? Crop Circles, Aliens, crazy movie. And in that movie, if you haven't seen it, I'm going to run it. You've had 20-something years. You've had plenty of time. So the, uh, in the movie, um, Mel Gibson gives up his faith in God because his wife dies. And then he gets his faith back through a crazy faith moment with aliens and his son, a healing. Okay, I know it's crazy. In that, though, I get in this car on our way back about 10.30 at night, on our way back to our um, hotel, the eye of the hurricane's like an hour from us, uh, sideways rain, Mexico, dark, one entrepreneurial taxi driver who is um, taking us back. 
I'm in the front seat. My wife's right behind me. Um, our friends, Carmel and Ryan Litz, are right next to us. And as we're driving, um, I'm having a conversation. And I said, God, if anything happens to Kelly, like, I don't, my wife, I don't want to be like Mel Gibson. That's what I actually prayed. I don't want to be like Mel Gibson. I will, I'll trust you. I'll trust you. And if anything happens to my kids, Addison, Will, Kate, I'll trust you. And if anything happens to me, I'll trust you. I had been walking through this whole period of really understanding who my, my daddy was, my father was. So my trust was really stout, okay? I prayed that prayer, said those words in my head. My wife didn't know it. I was in the front seat. And two seconds later, um, we were hit by a drunk driver. And uh, there was a drunk driver joyriding in a hurricane. And he literally just uh, was a missile right into my hip in this tin can, pushed us into the driver's uh, seat and into the panel. I didn't have a seatbelt on. Uh, my sternum popped out. Uh, my rib cage um, snapped. I had nine ribs uh, broken. And um, severed intestines, paralyzed from the waist down, bruised uh, every organ. And I'm sitting there in the car, and we were there about 45 minutes before the ambulance came. And as I'm sitting there, I had this great opportunity. The first thing I honestly said, on the outside, I was screaming um, in just death scream. If anyone's been in an accident like that, it's like ice picks on your back over and over and over again. It's horrible. And the pain was unbelievable. And on the outside, I was screaming. On the inside, it was like, okay, I trust you. All right, well, okay, I'm paralyzed. All right, my back is broken. I mean, I'm rational. It's the weirdest thing. How is there no blood? I'm, I'm just talking to the God. How is there no blood? There's, there's glass everywhere. I'm, huh, I'm paralyzed. Okay, well, all right, here we go. And about 20 minutes in, I realize I'm not going to make it. I'm in, um, I'm in Cancun in a hurricane. I'm not going to make it. And I'm, I'm like... I was 30 at the time. And I was like, huh, I'm going to die in Mexico. Weird. Like that kind of rational conversation. And then I got so serious and I asked three questions of the Lord. This was it. God, was I your man? Was I a good husband? And was I a good dad? That's all I could think of. And um, I got the benefit of seeing my life flash before my eyes. It, um, I got to see me when I met Jesus at 13 and 15 and 18 and all these moments. I got to see my wife and her and I and our, all of our friendship and then our kids. It was like a keynote. It was like a PowerPoint presentation. Literally, it was like, next slide, next slide. And I'm going through all of this. And my wife has heard a little bit. Our friends are looking for help, trying to help us out. And... Um, then I realized I'm not going to make it, and I didn't have much breath left. And so I look up at Kelly, and she's over me trying to help me. And I look up over her, at, at her, and she just looks at me, and she just says, basically, I know. I know. She knew what was about to happen. And no lie, this is what happened. Um, she'll be here in a little bit. If you wanted to meet her, you could ask her. She said, but I want you to know you're God's man. You're a great husband and a great dad. And um, with that, I breathed my last breath, and I was gone. And you know what happened? Trust in the Lord. 
and do good, dwell in the land, and enjoy safe pasture. Um, I was trusting in the Lord at that point in time, and I received the gift of faith in that car accident. I'm obviously here. There's a lot happened. When I breathed my last breath, I started floating from the car. I'm one of those guys. I literally happened. I was gone, complete peace, no pain. I was gone. And our friends come around, and Carmel comes around. She puts her hand on my arm, and she says, in the name of Jesus, give him breath. No, in the name of Jesus, give him breath. I could hear that. And all of a sudden, I came right back into the car, right back into the pain. It all came back. And um, over that next, I don't know, 10 days, we had four or five miracles that took place. Crazy things that were just, and it radically affected my belief in God. And that same time, because I always read about God and all these stories, but I hadn't experienced it. And I, I experienced his power and that he's got really big muscles and he can do anything he wants to do. And he's really, really good. Now, if I had gone, he's still really, really good. It was both ways. It didn't matter. It was really, really good. Well, what was interesting is um, they had, um, they took full advantage of the fact that we were Americans and we built a hospital wing for them, uh, basically, because we were out of network. And so we had, nobody knew this at the time, but we had, we had paid, um, paid a large sum of money. All the money that we had started, uh, saved up to start Giant, um, this is 2002. So we had all this money, and it basically, they came to us before the surgery. I had to have a surgery, and they said, um, it's this amount. It was a very big amount for us at the time. It's still a large amount of money, and Kelly was shocked. It was the exact dollar amount that we had in our bank account saved. And, and she comes in to me, and I'm like, yeah, do it. Yeah, sure, go. So um, we wired the money to this hospital and, again, built their hospital. I should have at least got my name over it. And, um, but what happened was this, um, when we, we got back from uh, there was another hurricane coming, and we had to get out, and so it was a crazy period. We get back. Nobody knew that we didn't have any money. We had zero. We had just enough to pay, like, one month for our house, and we were out of network. We didn't have insurance. It was all Cobra because I quit my job to start the business, and we get home, and I'm laying on the couch, and my little daughter, Addison, brings the mail, and I'm on the couch just recuperating and all bandaged up and just, you know, I had a long road ahead after surgery, and she hands me all these, you know, it's bill, bill, bill. But what was interesting is that trust was implanted in me in a car accident in Mexico. I actually received not a gift of faith, like I believe in you, God, but a gift. Not only do I believe in your salvation, I believe in your power and your goodness, faith. And I'm laying on the couch, and I get, you know, you can tell the difference when you get a check in the mail versus a bill in the mail. And I'm like, what? And I open it up, and it was our very first client. And he said, hey, I hope it's okay. Um, and he, I looked at the postmark. It was sent before we left. And, and so we get it. And he said, I hope it's okay. For tax reasons, um, I need to pay you six months in advance for your work. And I look at the amount, and it was the same dollar amount. And you're like, the same, are you kidding me? So t talk about weeping, rejoicing, all at the same time. But it was this, the idea, trust in the Lord and do good. He will take care of you. He'll take care of you. 
Now, will he give you the um, you know, Mercedes-Benz whatever series? Uh, that's a different, that's, that's a different uh, prosperity gospel that I'm not talking about here. What I'm talking about is God is good. He will take care of you. He'll take care of the things you need. But it's a relationship with our Father. It's a trust relationship. Daddy, I trust you. I know you. Guys, I'm, I want to uh, implore you. We have to eradicate worry. We have to eradicate the prayers of disbelief. What I'd love for you to do is pull them out, take them captive, and go, I'm not going to live under these anymore. I'm not going to live under these prayers of disbelief anymore. I'm going to actually believe who you are, and I'm going to believe who you said I am, and I'm going to act like I belong, and I'm going to step in and start trusting you at levels where I've never trusted you before. And I don't mean just prayers of trust for money. That's not what I mean. I mean trust in every area. And then when you get to trust, you get to the next one, which is delighting. And then if you know who God is and you know who you are, you can begin to delight in him. It's really hard to, de- to delight in a God that you think is going to smite you. <laughs> right? It's really hard to praise God when you think he might lightning bolt you at the moment. So I realized this. Uh, I'm 47, almost 48. And in that, I realized that over 40, this is my theory, over 40, music begins to die in people. And they begin to go and reminisce to old songs that have imprints to high school or you know, key moments. But music begins to die. We become too serious because of the cares of the world, delight and riches, all the things that we have to do enter in and kind of make us serious. We listen to news. We read more news. We listen to more podcasts, and we take music out. So what happens is, is delighting doesn't just mean worship. Delighting actually, it means delighting in your father. It means being thankful. So if I delight in God, like this morning I was walking around my loop at our house, and I was like, I'm so thankful for my son who just got home last night from Kanakuk. I'm so thankful for my wife. Lord, I just want to tell you thank you. And it started a process of me delighting in him. And you know, you've done this for me, and you've done this. And so I'm just grateful. And that gratitude led to singing and rejoicing. And re-joy is the re-joying. The rejoicing means that I'm reimagining. So I was calling myself up and and, and rejoicing, which led to worship. It doesn't just mean, so I think it's, by the way, from a church perspective, it's hard for some of us who sit in the pews sometimes to just start and go, worship, right? I mean, you guys did a great job of really ushering in worship. But it's hard to, you almost have to get to worship. You have to remind yourself and call yourself up into this fact our God is good. Our God is good. And he loves to take care of his kids. And he wants you, as his children, to trust him. Can you imagine if your kids who are sitting around you, if your kids were constantly, and, and you heard them tell other uh, kids, their brothers and sisters, yeah, I just don't think we have enough food. I don't think we have enough. I don't think... I think there might be a hole in our roof and we might freeze this winter. Or we just don't, 
and you hear it, and they go, what are you talking about? You're worried? Have you seen the pantry? Don't you know that I'll take care of you? Are you worried that you won't have enough? I, I'm taking care of you. Imagine your kids worrying, and you hear them worry to other kids. You, you'd want to go, do you not know who I am? Do you not think I'm good? Do you not know who you are? You're my son, daughter. I would never let that happen to you. Is this hitting home? If we know who he is and we know who we are, why would we worry to other brothers and sisters? That's a prayer of disbelief that we're spreading. Instead, we go, I don't know how it's going to work out, but I know it has last year and last month and yesterday, and I know it's done every single time. Look, it's worked out. Unbelievably, we're here. And my worry didn't help me at all. So I'm going to turn my trust up, and I'm going to start delighting in him. And I'm starting to rejoice in him. And I'm going to start being grateful. <sighs> you know what that does to your soul, to your heart? Oh, It becomes something where you can easily then commit your ways to him. Hard to commit your ways to someone who you think, you know, is against you. Your father is for you. If he's for us, we can begin to trust him, delight in him. So then this becomes, um, again, our role and his role. Our role, you guys. Trust in the Lord and do good. His role. He will give you safe pasture. Your role. Delight in the Lord. His role, he will give you the desires of your heart. Those desires will be what he wants anyway when you're walking in, in that level. Commit your ways to him, and he'll do this. He'll take care of your righteousness shining. He'll make you shine. You don't need to force it yourself. It's a, it's a done together. It's a partnership. In the same way that you want your kids, if you're a parent, trust me. I got gotcha. you. Trust me. Son, Kids, daughters, I have you. You don't need to worry about your house. I've got you. You're with me. You're in my house. This is my food I'm giving to you. And to delight in the relationship that we have to, with one another. I'm going to help you. I'm going to call you up. I'm going I'm to help you. And commit your ways to the family, to what we're doing. In that same way, that's how the Lord looks at you and looks at me. And it's our responsibility to stay in our role our role of trust, delight, and commit. Um, the last verse that he had, not last verse, but one I liked the next was basically this, be still before the Lord. Wait patiently for him. Trust him. Don't scurry. Don't worry. It doesn't work. <laughs> it just makes you, uh, it, it makes your life miserable. Your responsibility are those three things. TDC, put it on your, on your hand. It's trust, delight, commit. There's just three things to do. Trust, delight, and commit. What do you do in the morning? Start it off with like this. Lord, so I do this little um, call-up sessions in the morning to who I am when I wake up in the morning. Um, I don't go and like do a Stuart Smalley, like, you know, I feel healthy, happy, and doggone it, people like me kind of deal. But I look in a mirror, and I'll, I'll say, Lord, you are, and I'll tell him who he is that day to me. And then I remind myself and I call myself up. Jeremy, you're a liberator. 
You're a son. Fight for the highest possible good of people today. You're a son. And I call myself up and do who I am. And then I start this process of delighting by remembering and thanking him for everything that happened yesterday. Thank you for that. Thank you for this. Thank you for this partnership. Thank you for this. Thank you. And that gratitude leads to rejoicing. It leads to delighting in him. And then it's a commitment. Lord, today would you, I'm going to give this to you. Would you help me figure this out? Would you help me solve this? This is a simple, practical way to keep you as sons and daughters, to know your father so intimately well and begin to live in full trust, in full delight, in full commit. Amen? So, Lord, we thank you. We trust you. We know that you, um, that you love us and that you're for us. Well, let me just say this, Lord. Some of us know that, that, that you're for us. Some of us feel that you're against us, Lord, because of the past. So I ask that you would break through for those, that you would break through that, that uh, they might really, truly know who you are. They might truly experience how good you are. And this morning might start a new journey away from worry, away from anything that would keep them from fully understanding you. And Lord, I just ask that you would um, start moving in us today, that we might learn what it feels like and what we're supposed to live like as we trust and delight in you. Would you, for some of us who are more crusty like me, and a little older and too serious, would you maybe um, give us a little douse of what you gave David with songs and uh, worship and rejoicing and delighting again, that we might just experience some new life. We love you, we thank you, we trust you in Jesus' name. We hope you've enjoyed this week's message. If there's anything we can pray with you about, or if you have questions about God, we'd love to talk with you. Please visit our contact page at okccommunitychurch.com.